Hi guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to be a podcast where we learn, where we study, uh, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you can find the podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe there, just look at When the Scriptures Become Real. You can watch the video portion. Uh, you can also find the audio portion on Spotify or anywhere else you can get your podcasts, like iTunes or Google Podcasts as well, and also iHeartRadio. Uh, you can find the podcast, or the podcast on audio uh, there as well. Uh, before we get started with our uh, with our topic for today, I just want to uh, thank the listeners. Uh, I've had some some great feedback on some recent podcasts, and I'm very appreciative of uh, of guys I went to school with, of of uh, of elders, of deacons, of of members, of people just asking questions, of wanting notes. Uh, you know, I think this is the goal of studying the scripture is to uh, open up the Bible together and to see what uh, the Bible says about a certain subject. So, uh, you know, just know that whenever you have a question or to be honest, whether you disagree, you know, whatever it is, you know, just know that I am uh, approachable. Uh, you know, I am going to be respectful whether you agree or whether you disagree. And I'm going to open up the Bible and uh, I'll do my absolute best to say what the Bible says. And, I, you know, I guess after that, it's not on me whether you agree or disagree. So uh, you could take the gospel for, you know, as you as you please. So uh, I'm just going to do my job to do the best possible job that I can to open up the Bible and to say what the Bible says. So, again, I'm so appreciative of you guys studying with me, of growing your faith, of asking questions. And I'm very appreciative of, of everyone that has reached out. So for today's podcast, uh, we want to talk about the topic, my hardest relationship, right? My hardest relationship. Now, this podcast is not about, uh, you know, a physical relationship. You know, y'all thought, you know, maybe this episode is going to have a, a box of tissues here. You know, you hear boys to men in the background, you know, you got a nice setting. Now, this is not it, right? You know, th this is not going to be like, you know, a, a reunion episode of The Bachelor, <laughs> Right. Where they're all, well, it was all good in the beginning. Then, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not what this is. Right. But we're going to be talking about my hardest relationship is with the Lord. Well, what do you mean by that? Let's kind of break down uh, kind of this introduction here. Real love is not based on romance. This is something I read the other day. Real love is not based on romance, on candlelit dinners, and long walks on the beach. Not saying that those things are bad. I look forward to doing those things, but it's not what it's based on. Romance or real love is based on respect, compromise, care, and trust. And so think about this for a second. When we obeyed the gospel, we became a new creature, right? So in becoming a new creature, we began a relationship with with god right with christ and so think about this for a second look at second corinthians uh chapter five. Second corinthians chapter five and i want to notice uh verse number 17 notice what the text says here second corinthians chapter five verse 17 therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature all things are passed away or old things excuse me are passed away Behold, all things are become new. And so once you die to yourself, you begin a relationship 
with the Lord. And so think about this for a second. You know, I heard this before, and I think that this is kind of a misconception. You know, uh, I kind of heard that your relationship with God should be the easiest relationship. Is that true, though? I'm just posing a question. You know, we're, we're studying here, right? I'm, I'm just posing a question here. Your relationship with God should be the easiest relationship that you have. It sounds nice. It does. And I get, I get the sentiment. But think about it. If this is true, if my relationship with God and your relationship with God is the easiest, why did so many men and women in Scripture struggle then? Let, let, let's, kind of, let's kind of study this, okay? So I want to mention this. Just because a relationship is hard doesn't mean it's not a good one. You know, I think kind of we have this connotation of if something's hard, then therefore if it's hard, it's not good. Now, if a relationship is, is, uh, is hard, doesn't mean it's not good. It means you're just trying to be the person you're trying to be for the other person. And so we sing a song called uh, Just a Closer Walk with Thee, you know, in the songbook, right? And I believe the is verse two says this, uh, through this world of toil and snares, if I falter, Lord, who will care? Who with me my burden shares? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. And so what is the, what is the writer of the song saying here? He's saying, Lord, there's toils here. There's snares here. There's burdens here. Who's going to share that with me? And what does he say at the end of the line? Nobody with thee. So my hardest relationship is with the Lord. Well, let, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's get into uh, kind of the meat of this. So here's, kind of, here's the first point of why my relationship with the Lord is the hardest. Now, let, before we get there, let's explain this. Let's explain hard. You know, my relationship with the Lord, and I say my relationship with the Lord is the hardest. And I mean not hard in the sense of it's a burden hard. You know, there's a lot of things that are hard that's just wearisome, like it's a burden to do. So when I say my relationship with the Lord is the hardest, it's not, it's a sense of, it's not a burden, but it's hard because I want to please him and I want to live up to that standard. And that's why it's hard because sometimes I don't do that, right? Sometimes you don't do that. And this takes a lifetime of effort. So when I say my relationship with the Lord is hard, it's not hard as a burden or like I don't want to do it or this is, this is heavy on my back. It's hard as in I'm trying to do what he wants me to do. And so number one, my relationship with the Lord is hard because it's hard to trust him sometimes. You know, think about this. God, from the very beginning of our relationship, walk with him, right? He, he made us promises that he would always be there, didn't he? You know, sometimes, you know, in a physical relationship, doesn't it always start the same way? on both sides, you know, I'll always be there. Oh, I'll always be there. Or, or this will always happen. And I'll always, and you have the greatest of intentions, but things happen, don't they? And we fail one another. And so we might have the greatest of intentions to be there, but then things happen. And, but think about this. When we enter a relationship with God, he always keeps his promises quickly. Go to numbers chapter 23 
And again, if you're new to the podcast, we want you to open up your Bibles with us. Uh, we want you guys to study with us, and we want you to see what the Lord says through the Scripture here, okay? Numbers chapter 23, uh, verse number 19. Notice what the writer says here. He says, God is not a man. What do we just say man does to one another? We have the greatest of intentions, but what do we end up doing? We end up hurting one another. But what does he say in verse 19? But God's not like us. God's not like a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make good? So he's saying here, if God says something, don't you think he's going to be good on his word if he says it? Absolutely. Look at, look at Titus chapter 1. And again, I want to lay this foundation before we get to our point here. Titus chapter 1, uh, verse number 2. Titus chapter 1, verse number 2. Notice what the text says here. And hope of eternal life, which God, what's the next phrase, guys? God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Huh. So we notice he's going to be good on his promises numbers. Titus chapter 1, he can't lie, and he's promised us certain things. And then look at, look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse number 8. Now watch this. Oh, this is a good one too. Hebrews chapter, uh, verse 18, I'm sorry. Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 18. That by two immutable things, which was impossible for God to do what? It's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And so God can't lie. But knowing this, right, we know this. Remember, we're talking about our relationship with God. We know he can't lie. We know he made certain promises. We know he'll always be there. But knowing this, what do we do sometimes? Sometimes we still don't trust the Lord. Look at this biblical example. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, look at starting verse number 30. Now, again, Moses here is kind of recounting certain events that have already happened. And so notice what he says here about the children of Israel. Look at verse number 30. And the Lord your God, which goes before you, what is he going to do? He shall fight for you according to all that uh, he did for you in Egypt before uh, your eyes. And in the wilderness where there has seen that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man does bear his son all the way that you went until you came into this place. Yet in this thing, what thing? Yet, even though God did all this for you, yet, even though God saved you, what are you doing? Look at verse 27 of chapter one. You murmured in your tents and you said, because the Lord hated us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us to the Amorites to destroy us. See, God did all this for you, but on your end of the relationship, what did you say? You murmured against God. And then watch what he says in verse number 32. Yet in all this, yet in this thing, what does the Bible say? 
you did not believe the Lord your God. You see, sometimes we know the Lord is there. We, sometimes we even know what he's done for us. But when another situation pops up or when a harder situation pops up, then what do we do? Just like the children of Israel, we don't believe and we don't trust. You see, sometimes my relationship with the Lord is hard because sometimes it's hard to trust him, just like the children of Israel. It's tough sometimes. And, and think about this. Think about Moses for a second. You know, sometimes we give uh, Moses a lot of flack for making those excuses. And again, I'm not condoning those excuses whatsoever. But think about it from Moses's point of view. Why did he give God all those excuses? You know, you think about, uh, you know, Exodus 3, the first excuse, he said, well, who am I to go? Can't somebody else go? Then in verse 13, he says, well, what am I going to say? What do, you, what do you want me to say? Then in chapter 4, verse 1, then he says, look, they're, they're not going to believe me. Then in, in chapter 4, verse 10, then he says, well, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I'm slow. And then uh, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 13, then he says, send somebody else more fit for the work. That's what verse 13 means in the Hebrew. Send somebody else more fit for the work than me. And then if you notice, I believe it's in verse 14 of chapter 4. Doesn't the Bible say that the Lord was angry or displeased against Moses? Why do you think the Lord was angry or displeased against Moses? Because what did Moses not do for the Lord? Moses didn't trust him. Not yet. Because when we don't trust, guess what we do? We fear. Remember Peter? When he was walking on water and he saw everything around him, after he lost sight of the Lord and trust in him, what did Peter do? Peter fell. He was afraid. And what did Jesus ask him? Where is your what? Where's your faith? See, what's the question that he could have asked to Moses here? Where's your faith? You know, haven't you been in situations before where like, you know, the Lord is there. You know, the Lord is going to protect you. You know, the Lord, uh, you know, made all those promises. But sometimes you feel like it's still so hard to trust you. It's hard to trust you in this circumstance. It's hard to trust you in the situation. It's hard to trust you when I don't have any money in my pocket. It's hard to trust you when I'm by myself. It's hard to trust you when so many things and people are against me. You know, it's tough. And, some, and again, when I talk about my relationship with the Lord, I'm talking about my personal one. So I'm not saying that this is all Christians. I'm saying this for me. My relationship or my hardest relationship is with the Lord because just like Moses and just like David and just like Peter, sometimes it's hard to trust the Lord. But what did these men eventually end up doing? Okay, the Lord said he was going to do this and he'll do it. And so... It's hard to trust him sometimes. Then number two, sometimes my hardest relationship with, is with the Lord because sometimes he feels far away. Now, let's preface this one. When I say far away, I'm not saying far away because I've sinned and he feels far away. So it's not like that example of the old man that's sitting in the truck and then they, they've been married for years and they hold hands and over the, over the past couple of years and she moves closer to the window 
while he's still driving. Then she asks, well, why are you so far away? He says, well, I haven't moved. You did. It's not that type of example. So I'm not talking about the Lord feels far away because I've sinned. That's why he feels far. Not like the prodigal. I'm saying when you are living righteous, when you're trying to do what's right, when you're trying to do what the Lord wants you to do, and you're still suffering as if you're not living righteous, that's what I'm talking about when sometimes he feels far away. You know, look at this real quick. Look at Job chapter 10. And we're going to look at the, the, you know, kind of the heart of Job of what he's talking about here. But look at Job chapter 10. And I want to start in verse 1, actually. Job chapter 10. Now, remember, think about this, guys. Remember, Job, Job never sinned, and Job never charged God foolishly. So Job didn't say, when all this happened, Job didn't look up and say, God, this is your fault. He didn't charge God foolishly. But guess what Job did? Job suffered. And Job is showing his humanity through the book. He's suffering just like any of us would suffer. But watch how he talks here. Remember, what's our point? Sometimes the hardest, my hardest relationship is with the Lord because sometimes he feels far away. Watch this. Look at verse one. My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Wherefore thou contendest with me. Show me that wherefore thou contendest with me. You know, you think about Job for a second. You know, remember how was Job described? He was described as perfect, as upright, as someone that eschewed evil, right? Him and his household. Then all this happens. And now watch Job is saying here, he's saying, God, show me why you're contending. Show me why you're fighting against me. Please show me, you know, have you ever felt like um, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, a friendship with someone, you ever felt like someone was, someone was there, like you knew that they were there, but they're kind of, they're drifting though. Like they might be physically there, but you can kind of feel that they're gone or they're going, they're drifting. And so you know that they're there, but it's, it's hard for you to process that they're there because it isn't. You don't understand. You don't feel that they're there. And so think about Job's circumstance. Job has, has been doing everything right, but then he's rewarded sometimes. You know, it, it's From his point of view, it's kind of like, well, I've been rewarded like I've been evil. And that's what his friends are telling him. You've been evil somehow. And so Job is saying here in, in verse number two, it's not like Job didn't have faith. It's not like Job didn't understand God was still there. But guess what was hard to see? It was hard to see why this was happening and why God allowed it. And so this is why he said in verse two, Lord, please, he said, show me why you contend with me. Show me why, why you're fighting against me. Please help me to understand. You know, sometimes you'll find yourself in circumstances where you're following what the Lord wants you to do. But sometimes you feel as, and we know it's not true because we read those verses that he'll always be there, but it feels as if he's abandoned us. It feels like he's abandoned us when we want him to act. What is Job asking? Job is asking, please show me, show me, show me what I did wrong. 
you know, and you jump down to verse number seven. And I love this. Watch what he says here. He says, Lord, you know this. You say, you know, I'm not wicked. And you know that there is none that can deliver out of thy hand. Question. When Job said, you know that I'm not wicked. How did he know that? How did Job know that God knew that he wasn't wicked? Because what do they have? What are we talking about? They had a relationship. And so what did Job plead to God? He says, God, please, you know this. You know I'm not wicked. Show me why you contend against me. Please help me. Right? And so we find ourselves in circumstances where we feel as if we know God is there, but why is he not helping now? I know he's there. Look at this. Look at Psalm chapter 77. Keep your finger there in Job. And go to Psalm chapter 77. <coughs> Excuse me. Psalm chapter 77. And this is Psalm of Asaph here. And watch out, watch out Asaph cries. This is this is great. Watch verse six. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Look how look how much pain Asaph is in. Something's going on in his life. Maybe the wicked are around him. And watch, watch the picture that he paints. He says, Lord, I commune with you at night. You know, there's, there's a lot of type of, um, there's different types of lonely out here. But it's different when you, you talk to yourself. <laughs> you talk to yourself at night. And Asaph is saying, Look, I'm communing with my own self. I'm trying to understand what's going on. I'm trying to understand why this is happening. Then the next verse, verse seven, he says, watch, watch his emotion here, guys. He said, will the Lord cast off forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And so what's he, he's trying to understand, Lord, where are you? Lord, I, I, I know you're there, but where are you? I, I, your mercy used to give it to me in droves, but where is it now? Will the Lord cast me off forever? What is Job asking here in Job chapter 10? Lord, why are you contending with me? Haven't you felt that way before? You're trying to live the right way. You're trying to live righteous. You're trying to do what the Lord wants you to do. But then you're rewarded as if you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. And you ask yourself, well, why? Why is this happening? You know, even David said, look, look at the wicked. He said, the wicked are prospering. He said, they talk slander. He said, their mouths are like snakes. He said, they, they live as if they're kings. But he said, Lord, why have you cast me off? Why am I cast off? You know, go back to Job chapter seven. Look at Job chapter seven. And watch and remember Asaph just said, I've been communing with myself and with the Lord at night. Look at Job here, Job chapter seven, verse number three. And this gives us a little, uh, excuse me, this gives us a little insight of Job, uh, of how much he suffered in terms of time. Notice what he says here. So I am made to possess months of vanity. And watch what he says. And wearisome nights are appointed unto me. Now watch, watch how much detail he goes into. When I lie down, 
I say, when will I arise and the night be gone? I am full of tossings to and fro until the dawning of the day. You got to think, this is a different type of pain. To be able to lay down at night and say, man, when is it time to get up? And then when you get up, you suffer at night. And then when you get up, then you wake up to more suffering. And then you ask, well, when's night coming? And this happens month after month after month after month. And you got to think about Job's mental state here. You got to think about Job's mental health. Job had to have been thinking, this literally, I cannot piece the puzzle together. I've been living my life the way the Lord wants me to live. Now the Lord takes away everything as if I've done something evil. And then all your friends are giving you reasons of why you've done something wrong. So then now your mental state is off. You've lost everything. You toss to and fro at night. And this goes on for months. And so sometimes our relationship with the Lord is hard because just like Job and just like Asaph, it feels like you're trying to do the right thing. But as you try to do the right thing, the Lord still feels far away. You know, sometimes in our lives, even when we're not wicked, bad things will happen. Job is a great example of that. But, you know, God will always do what's best for us. And here's the thing, guys. What's best for us may not be the most pleasant thing for us. But he's always going to do what's best. You know, I think about Joseph. What if Joseph didn't go, you know, what if, you know, all the stuff that Joseph went through, what if he went through everything but one? Would he have been what God wanted him to be? He had to go through all of that stuff in order for God to put him in the position that he did. Same thing with Job. And so God is always going to do what's best for you, even if it hurts. And so think about this for a second. Remember, we're talking about a relationship, right? You know, I read a book the other day, and it, it, was, a, it was a book on marriage. And this book personified marriage as a person. And so it, it painted the picture of a husband or a soon-to-be husband and soon-to-be wife at the altar. And marriage personified was presiding over the service, right, which is kind of a pretty cool picture. And so as marriage personified, right, was preaching the, the sermon, he told th – these were basically the vows. He said, if you want to get into marriage, he said, man, this is what you need, and woman, this is what you need. He said, number one, both of you, in order to get into this marriage, both of you have to trust God completely. Then he said, both of you have to trust each other with your life. Then he said, both of you have to have each other's best interests at heart. And then the fourth reason, he said, both of you have to completely give yourselves up to one another and when you hurt one another, and he said, you will, he said, when you hurt one another, he said, you will forgive the other just like Christ forgave you. Isn't that a relationship? And so think about this. Sometimes in our relationship with God, sometimes just like Job, sometimes just like Asaph, sometimes it feels like the Lord is so far away. Sometimes it feels like the Lord is not there. Like, like we mentioned before, sometimes it's hard to trust him. 
And then on top of that, then sometimes it feels like he's not there when you're trying to trust him. But then remember, we're in a relationship with God, right? And so imagine this picture. Marriage is there, but I'm getting married to the Lord. And here's my vow to him. Lord, I trust you with my life. Lord, I trust you at times when I know you have my best interests at heart, but I don't understand. Lord, thy will be done and not my will. Don't we say those same vows to the Lord? And so during these times where it seems like he's far away, and, and here's the thing, guys, and I don't like when people say this, well, it seems like Job didn't have faith. It seems like all these guys in scripture didn't, they had faith but they, they struggled to see what was going on, just like you and I do. And so just because Job suffered and just because Job was asking these questions doesn't mean that Job didn't have faith or doesn't mean that Job didn't understand God was there. Job was just simply asking, Lord, where are you? He knew he was there, but he's asking the Lord, where are you? And I love how Job said, you know, Lord, why do you contend with me? Then he said later on, in, in Job chapter 7, uh, look at verse 19. Uh, yeah, Job chapter 7, verse 19. Watch what he says here. He says, how long will you depart from me? He, he said, how, and that's, that's, that's amazing how he said, how long will you depart from me? Or let me alone that I swallow down my spittle. Watch what he says in verse 20. I have sinned. What shall I do to thee? O thou preserver of men, why hast thou set a mark against thee so that I am a burden to myself? See, here's the beautiful thing about Job, and I never thought about this until today. When Nathan the prophet talked to David, what did Nathan have to tell David? Nathan had to tell him, you did it. When Samuel came to Saul, and when Saul brought back Part of the spoil when God said destroy everything, what did Samuel tell Saul? You sinned. But you know the thing about Job, no one had to tell Job that he sinned because he didn't. But Job was so humble to where he said, Lord, I've sinned. Help me get closer to you. And so you think about his relationship with God. It had gotten to the point where he said, Lord, I want to do whatever it takes to get back in your good graces. He got to the point where, Lord, I have sinned. Has Job sinned? But he said, Lord, I have sinned. It shows his humility there. And so sometimes our relationship with the Lord, or mine at least, my relationship with the Lord is hard. Because sometimes, sometimes he seems far away. But as we, as we, mentioned in Job and in Psalms with Asaph, the Lord is always there. He's always there. Then number three, sometimes my relationship with the Lord is hard because I feel like I'm the party that's always failing him. Think about this for a second, guys. You ever been, uh, you know, in a friendship or in a relationship or maybe just with your buddies, you know, whatever relationship it is, do you ever feel like you're the one that always makes the mistakes? Like you're the one that's always apologizing. You're the one that's always not getting it right. 
you know, you're the one that always has to say, well, I can't, I can't do this. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Like you always feel like you're the failing party um, in that relationship, whatever it is. You know, sometimes my relationship with the Lord is hard because as we mentioned before, God can't lie. God is perfect. God is always there and God will always provide. But sometimes it's hard because I feel as if I'm the one always failing him. And I'm failing him when he's doing everything right. Right? He he can't he can't fail. But I'm the one that's failing. And so my relationship is hard with him at times because he's done everything for me. And sometimes I still fail him. But I, I'm not speaking for other Christians or speaking for you. I can only speak for me. As I continue to walk with the Lord, um, one thing I'm starting to understand, at least trying to, I'm starting to understand just how much he loves us, which is crazy to, I can't even, it's even hard to begin to talk about how much the Lord loves us. You know, you know, Number one, you know, you think about Psalm 103, 14, you know, the Lord understands that I'm frail. So the Lord understands that I will fail. But so, you know, that's not an excuse. You know, we're not using you know, Romans 3, 23 as an excuse. But, you know, we also know that the Lord knows we're dust, according to Psalm 103, 14. And so the Lord understands my position. But also... The Bible says that God is love. You know, look at the look at First John four. First John four, and verse number eight. And if any y'all, if, if any y'all know me, y'all know uh, the greatest commands is my that's my song, right? That's I love that song. I've seen that twenty four seven. But in verse eight, he says, "He that loveth, he that loveth not, knoweth not God." But what does he say? For God is love. Like he's the embodiment of agape. That's in his person. That's his personality. That's his being. That's who he is. That's what he, that's what he puts out. He is agape, right? He is love. And sometimes it's, it's so hard to comprehend that, especially when we know like we're the failing party. You know, I'm reminded of a buddy of mine. He, uh, he was with, uh, with a girl then he said I, I don't know and it's not like the dude was bad he was like he was a good dude but in his eyes he's like man I, I don't know what she sees in me like I don't know why she loves me but he, he said I can't understand like I can't comprehend why a person like her could love a guy like me I don't get it you know in his eyes he felt like he couldn't he couldn't understand her measurement of love for him like it didn't it didn't compute with him but he said, I just feel so lucky that she loves me. And I just feel like I, I don't deserve that. And so I think about the Lord. I, I can't understand how, why he loves us like that, but he does. That's just his embodiment. So it's not like I can put a value on it or put it in a box or, or give it a limit. Like I can't, like I can't limit that because he is love. You know, I'm reminded of, to me, and this is just my personal, you know, personal opinion. To me, I think one of the greatest love stories in scripture is Hosea and Gomer. And you think about 
you know, I, I imagine when, when Gomer left twice and got pregnant twice, you know, and I, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, when Hosea bought her back and he bought her back for more than what they're trying to sell her for. And he bought her back and said, you're going to be with me and no other man for the rest of your life. You know, sometimes I think about it from Gomer's perspective. I've left this man twice. I've cheated on him twice. I've been living this lifestyle, but how can he, how can he buy me back? I don't understand how he views me. You know, I'm just trying to understand Gomer's perspective of Hosea's love. Like, how can he, how can he love me that much? Like, it doesn't make sense. And Hosea was a type of Christ and we were Gomer. You know, he bought us back for a, a way bigger price than what Hosea bought for Gomer. And the Lord's love is so hard to comprehend. And so sometimes it's, it's hard, but he loves us enough to sacrifice his son. Now, let me, let me bring this up to <clears throat> talking about sacrifice and love, you know, like in, in uh, Ephesians, right? Five, where it talks about wives submit to your husbands, right? And a lot of times we stop there and we want the wives to be, you know, like extremely subservient and not, uh, you know, not valued, but the verse keeps going and it says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So that, that two letter word as it means you love exactly like, and you copy that you pattern it. And so how did Christ love the church? See, Christ loved the church by sacrificing. You see, obviously the main sacrifice was his death, but it's not, that's not the only thing Christ sacrificed. Christ sacrificed his heavenly position and he took on the form of a servant. How was that not sacrifice? According to Philippians chapter two, how is that not sacrifice? He took on the form of a servant. After he took on that form, he suffered for her. He died for her. He was scourged for her. He carried that cross up Golgotha for her. He did everything, and ultimately he he took on that pain and that death for her so that she could live. And so what does he say there in Ephesians 5? Husbands, sacrifice for her like Christ sacrificed for the church. And so for us guys, sometimes the biggest thing that gets in our way is ego, especially being single guys, because we're number one right now. (laughs) I don't have to worry about anybody else right now. But when you get married, you know, you become the low end of the totem pole. What does that mean? Well, first of all, the husband sacrifices himself to God. Then you sacrifice yourself emotionally, spiritually, financially, socially, any other elite. You sacrifice that to your wife. You care for her and you do everything and you sacrifice your life for her. You value her, right? Then you sacrifice for your children. You're there for them. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice your effort. In some cases, you need to sacrifice your work because your kids are your first work. You sacrifice for them. Then you get the leftovers. Obviously, then your, your wife loves you, right? So your wife values you just as you value her and the kids likewise. 
but ultimately you sacrifice and you give everything to your family. You know, that's why husband, you're the band around them. You protect them, right? And so what did Christ do? Christ sacrificed for her and he sacrificed for me. And so sometimes it's hard for me to comprehend that. Like, why would you, why would you value me like that? Just like Gomer, why would you, why would you value me like that? I don't know, but God is agape. God is love, you know, and quickly look at Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse number six. And this is, this is why notice this Hebrews chapter 12, verse number six, for whom the Lord loves, what will he do? He chastens and he scourges every son in whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? And so you think about all these things that we've talked about. I think the Hebrews writer, to be honest, I think he's trying to get us to switch our mindset. Because when we suffer, a lot of times um, we focus so much on the specific suffering. But I think the Hebrews writer is trying to get us to understand when you suffer, Look at it this way. The Lord loves whom he chastens and he deals with you just like a real father would deal with his son. So if the, if the Lord is allowing these things to happen in your life, maybe he's chastening you so that you could be of better service for what he wants you to do later. Or maybe he's chastening you husband or single guy or single girl maybe he's chastening you so that you could be that much more prepared for her or for him you see so the, the hebrews writer is trying to get us to understand the lord deals with y'all as sons take that take that chastening as knowing that the lord cares for you see here's the thing about love love is not just a fuzzy feeling when you love something, according to Hebrews, the Lord loves us, so therefore what's he going to do for us? He's going to chasten us. He may put us in situations we don't want to be in. So what does love do? Love disciplines. See, love is not giving you everything you want and then making your life completely easy. That's not what love is. Love is doing what's best. What's best might hurt, but guess what? I'm doing it because I love you. That's what what's that's what's best is. So think about think about Joseph. Think about Job. Was that pleasant? I wouldn't wish what Job went through or or Joseph went through on my worst enemy. But guess what God said? You need it though. Joseph, you need this. Joseph, you need this. Joseph, you need this. And then now Joseph looks up and he's second in command. But what would he be that if he didn't go through that chastening? So what does he say in Hebrews? Therefore, since you know now, since you know that the Lord deals with you as sons, if he chastens you, therefore, endure chastening. So what was Job able to do? What was Asaph able to do in Psalm 77? What are you able to do when you go through your certain things in life? If you endure that, that period, if you endure that season of chastening, he deals with you as sons. That's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? And so remember at the beginning, 
of the podcast. Remember, we, we mentioned this misconception, right? We mentioned that some have said your relationship with God should be the easiest relationship that you have. And again, I'm going to say this twice for emphasis. <clears throat> I'm not judging your relationship with him. I'm asking a question. I'm going to say it twice. I'm not judging your relationship with him. I'm asking a question. You know what? What did they say three times a charm? I'm going to ask it again. I'm not judging your relationship. I'm asking a question. If your relationship with God is the easiest relationship you have, when it was hard for Job, when it was hard for Joseph, when it was hard for Asaph, when it was hard for Moses, when ultimately Christ was over here sweating blood drops and it was hard for him, he showed his humanity. If your relationship with God is the easiest relationship with you, is the easiest relationship you have, could it be that it's easy because you're not putting in work? So you have this facade that it's easy? Just a question. Because if it was hard for all these guys and they were they were put in difficult now, let me let me clarify this as well. When I say hard, I'm not saying that it's not pleasant. It is pleasant to serve the Lord. So I'm not saying that your relationship with the Lord isn't pleasant. It's always pleasant to serve him. But I'm saying if you think this thing is easy, you might want to reconsider that. This relationship is not easy. Any couple would say our relationship isn't easy. They might say it's sweet. They might say I love her more and more each day. But they would be lying to your face if they said, it. you know, this relationship wasn't hard. So if a physical relationship isn't hard, why do you think the spiritual one is easy? You might want to check that. But remember, our relationship with the Lord is something that we must continue to work at every single day. Every single day. And it's a, um, and that's why I say this is the hardest relationship. Because this is not something that you, uh, this is not a Sunday and Wednesday thing. This is, this is a lifetime effort. And I hope that as you continue to study and grow, as I continue to and try to, that we will grow and that we will learn to uh, trust the Lord during times when it's hard. You know, when we learn, we would hope to learn that uh, we know that the Lord is close when it feels like he's far and that the Lord loves us when it still feels like we fail him. If we can learn those things, I think our relationship with God will grow. You know, I'm reminded, I'll close with this. I'm reminded of a song that we sing. And sometimes when this relationship with the Lord gets hard, you know, I, I read a, uh, or I was listening to a, uh, like a motivational uh, speech. And the guy said, you know that something is going to be good when it's hard. You know, it's going to be good when it's hard. And so our relationship with the Lord is hard. But even though it's hard, just like we sing, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my God and I. Even though it's hard, I keep falling in love with him over 
and over and over and over again. I encourage you, I hope that you will continue as I will strive to as well to keep falling in love with our Lord. Thanks, guys.